Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, welcome along to the Rugby Pass podcast, the Mitre 10 Cup in New Zealand in full swing. And of course, the Aviva Premiership begins this weekend, as does the top 14 in France. Scotty Stevenson with you alongside Mark Stafford. Staffy, let's cover off a couple of things first regarding test match football. And still the fallout continues from what was a deviously nasty test match between the All Blacks and the Wallabies. The biggest talking point, of course, is the non-sighting of Owen Franks. Should New Zealanders drop the parochialism and should he have been cited? Oh, my view, Scotty, absolutely should have been cited. Um, found not guilty, if you, if you want, but there was enough there for a hearing. And I can't believe how it's just gone away from New Zealand and New Zealanders can't believe how up in arms the Australians are. Reverse it, have Retallick being gouged. It would have been... Uh, you know, a storm over here. Well, we, you bring that up, Galassa the Argentinian and, and Augustine Pichot now has come out swinging, saying we need some consistency. Galassa, if you recall, was uh, suspended for nine matches for a similar offence against the All Blacks during the Rugby World Cup. Pichot has said, we have no jurisdiction as World Rugby over Sanzar sightings, but the game internationally need some consistency around uh, these issues. And I, I find myself in full agreement. And you're right about the shoe being on the other foot. Had that been anyone else from any other country, New Zealanders would never let that go. But the fact that it's been swept under the mat, the fact that the All Blacks have closed ranks around this, it wasn't the only incident in the game. Coleman was filth personified, but he had to. He was set up as a goon. Uh, we've got Stephen Moore shoulder-charging Sam Whitelock on the head, diving into a ruck. You've got Dane Coles, who swung a forearm at the head of one of the Australians. Uh, I, I just feel that we need to clean up Test Match Rugby because... Test match rugby is under pressure. Yeah, and I'm not one to bag referees, but he did lose control of that. I would imagine if there was Yako or any of the other fine Northern Hemisphere referees, uh, even the New Zealand and Australian refereeing that, um, it wouldn't have got out of hand. The, the fact that so much niggle got away with, um, it just snowballed and snowballed. And he was like, oh, there's a precedent. You could see in his head, there's a precedent set. I didn't penalize. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And it ended up being a whole test match of can'ts. 
It was a test match of can'ts, and there was a big can't right at the end from Michael Checker, picked up uh, by the television cameras. Uh, the most under-pressure coach in world rugby right now, Michael Checker, and the most under-pressure nation right now in world rugby Australia? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, where does he go from here? I mean, he's gone from nine months ago in a World Cup final with a team that played pretty well and deserved to be in there. I know there was that Scottish game anomaly, but they did deserve to be in the final, and they were playing good footy where they have dropped to, and he has played every card in his hand. I'd say he'd been playing Euchre with six cards and he's used all of them. (laughs) Um, He's got nothing left. He tried the niggle um, and that didn't work. Where to from here for him? Do they relook at the whole coaching setup? Do they? I, I, I just don't know. And you look at the face of Stephen Moore, who's who's a dead set champion bloke, beaten man. We have a major issue here because, and we will get on to this on the Rugby Pass podcast today, the fact that the Northern Hemisphere club competitions are beginning. They will try to secure the narrative now right through to the Six Nations. Uh, Remember, there are the Autumn Internationals still to come, the All Blacks, South Africa, Australia, Argentina, all touring the Northern Hemisphere. But if Australian rugby continues its decline, if South African rugby continues its obvious decline, Where does that leave the Southern Hemisphere in terms of power in the game? We have spoken about this on the podcast before. Steve Chu has been a very, uh, shall we say, rambunctious in his desire to formulate an international season. Uh, This does not help his cause with two weakened traditional opponents in the Southern Hemisphere because the North will say, we don't need you. And they can say to the All Blacks with absolute impunity, you need us. Yeah, it's a matter of where do you start as well. And the the blueprint for New Zealand, Australia and South Africa are also different from each other. So New Zealand have that policy, you must play your rugby in New Zealand to play for the All Blacks. The Australians, you must play in Australia. Unless you've played a lot for us, you can go away and we'll have you back. South Africa, anyone can play for us. So they're all very, very different. And you can see, I can see, Um, People can see the passion for the all-black jersey is there 100%. I don't see that for the Wallaby jersey. I don't see them fighting, prepared to get blood on their jersey, even though Stephen Moore bleeds every test match. Um, And and South Africa, they can't afford to keep them in South Africa. They have to let them go. They have to. Um, So it's three very different and... It's an unstable model. Compared to the home nations, compared to all through Europe, very stable. I note with interest uh, today, Adrian Strauss, the Springbok captain, has announced his retirement from international rugby. There is only one reason for that for me. Adrian Strauss will now disappear and earn yen or francs or pounds playing in a different competition. Uh, We were talking about uh, Beeston Tawarera earlier today, thinking about the value in his contract. And and you've posited the point, Staffy, that most of his pay comes from endorsement deals rather than salary. I, I just wonder if the Northern Hemisphere now from an international rugby point of view, can join ranks, can make sure that they start to control the message. The All Blacks, we know, lead the world in terms of performance, but there is no way they lead the world in terms of their ability financially to call the shots. Uh, This opens a massive door for the North, both at club level and international level, to say, we run the game. You can win all the tournaments you like, but we run the game. The top 10 highest paid players in rugby union all play in France in the club competition in France. Cole Heyman, who hasn't played for the All Blacks forever, is about number five on the list at 50,000 euro a month. 
that's where the financial powers and the way of the world is money rules the world. I just wonder, spin it forward 10 years and the New Zealand model, will it still be working? Because that's just exponentially going up and up and up. Um, England had some financial woes, but they seem to be stabilising again. We're seeing Todd Blackadder, we're seeing Tabai Matson, we're seeing you know players go up there, and potentially Robbie Fruin joining Bath as well. Robbie Fruin, um, Johnny McNichols off as well. So, so some of those, the, all those just underneath tiers, Charles Piertau's already up there. And I know this is a New Zealand slant, but it's the one we know the best. But. It's so attractive, and of course it's attractive. I'd go and work for a French podcasting company if they paid me <laughs> 10 times what you're paying me. <laughs> it wouldn't be hard to pay you 10 times more than I'm paying you. I'll give you a dollar. Look, the other thing, you talk about the top-paid players in world rugby, and it's always France. It's always France in that narrative. Respectfully, I would suggest that unless you are seeing a couple of names in Japan in that list then someone is not doing their accounting right. Uh, Japan, from a club point of view, is paying massive money for players right now. We've seen the, the South African diaspora. We know how many great South African players are playing in the Japanese competition. Ditto New Zealanders. Uh, ditto Australians. Uh, is that the one crucial piece of the puzzle for the South, that if we can say, you're welcome to play in Japan, and you're welcome to be picked on a national side, can the South, through that Japanese model, retain its players? Or are we going to see the trickle effect of the best players in the world every single year heading to France, heading to the UK? Yeah, look, you've hit a point there that I've been thinking about for a while because the Japanese season doesn't clash with the Super Rugby season. So you get the likes of Andy Ellis who can go away and play in Japan. Could we see the Mitsubishi Hurricanes? In, in years to come, with two or three Japanese players in there, I mean they're good enough. We've seen we've seen the guys for the Highlanders. Fumi has been a rock star for the Highlanders. Um, they talk about growing the game financially. It will enable New Zealand and the South and Japan to get credibility. It'll help those two nations. And Japan's rugby mad, and it's awesome. And the Sunwolves were great entertainment this year. So I see a real marriage between those two nations. Sure. Well, let's get on to the Aviva Premiership, which starts uh, this weekend. A couple of uh, local derbies, really. Gloucester taking on the Tigers and then the Falcons taking on Sale. Uh, the North and the Midlands, uh, I guess the, the name on everyone's lips in the Aviva Premiership has been for a long time as Saracens. Can you see anyone hitting Saris again for the title this year? We know Exeter got close. We know that Wasps are resurgent. But are Saris just too far ahead? They've added good talent in the off-season, including Skulk Berger. That South African connection continues. Uh, are Saris the absolute outright favourites to start this competition and go all the way? Look, they are. Um, I don't know enough about their depth because this is a rugged competition they play out. This premiership is awesome. And um, you mentioned Wasps. Um, they are resurgent. I, I see Daylight second favourite at the moment. But in the English Premiership, funny old teams can do funny old things. So, <clears throat> yeah, I still see Series as an outright favourite. Charles Piertel was undoubtedly the star for Wasps last year. He's gone, of course. He's taken up his contract in Ireland. So I, I do wonder if they've got the talent to replace him. The Premiership itself, we know they've upped their salary cap, so they mean business. Uh, English rugby clubs are sick of losing the argument against the megalomaniac French owners. Uh, I think, what are we talking, £12 million a year now 
as player payment base. That has got to be an attractive proposition. It's English speaking for the best players in the world to get over there and play their rugby. And perhaps we can say one thing about the Premiership. It is probably a bit easier on players in terms of the management of those players. The French clubs are renowned for spitting out players who either aren't performing or through injury can't perform. But the Premiership, I guess in some ways, still has an element of... Uh, gentlemanly conduct that perhaps in French rugby it's lacking. So uh, are we going to see this season as a real turning point perhaps in their ability to attract more and more of the best players? Yeah, and I, and I think we've seen over recent years, and I mentioned Johnny McNichol before, guys that have got a little bit of heritage um, or are prepared to go over at 22 years old, do their residency, play international football. Johnny McNichol probably wouldn't be an All Black ever, but he's good enough to play up in the north, um, ply his trade, get richly rewarded. It's a fantastically run competition as well. And speaking to guys that have played up there, their physios, um, their, their team doctors, their, their support staff, their training facilities are world class. Mm. Not just England class, they are world class and they are supremely well looked after. So what do they want to do? They want to give their best back. So they've got a really good model up there. We need to talk about the comments of Mark McCafferty saying the Lions tour is unsustainable. Mm. Is the Lions tour the unsustainable bit once every four years or are the demands on the players and just how much rugby they are playing considering uh, the Premiership and the European club competitions as well which run concurrently throughout the year and the extra load on Six Nations teams. Uh, are his comments fair or are we opening up new ground here where the most famous rugby tour in the world is now under threat because of the egos of the owners of clubs? Yeah, look, I'm a traditionalist as well. I don't want to lose the tradition. I think the Lions Tour of New Zealand next year is unsustainable. Um, five super games, five super teams, test matches, uh, New Zealand Māori. Oh, hang on a minute. That's not sustainable on the park. Do not lose the Lions Tours. That is the beautiful, beautiful part of rugby, um, along with All Black South Africa, along with World Cups. The Lions is, you know, my fondest memories from the 70s. Um, and you count down the 12 years between tours. I know the home nations get right in behind it and back themselves. It's my fondest memory was, um, was 05 in New Zealand and the wonderful rugby fans who bleed rugby like, like we do and like our listeners do, who travelled around New Zealand, the whole of New Zealand. I rated it a better experience than the World Cup that was hosted here in New Zealand. Do not lose the Lion Tours for, for, for the sake of ego, for the sake of finances. This is what makes our game beautiful. If you've upped the salary cap, one would suggest you can have bigger squads, you can have more players, you can create bigger depth. But my issue around any comments like these, which are designed to undermine the integrity of this tour, uh, is that it just sets an agenda. And it says to the players, you've got a decision to make. We can pay you X amount of money to play for your club, or we'll pay you less money if you have international aspirations. We know this has happened in France. In fact, it intrigued me today to hear that Lee Halfpenny has managed to negotiate a clause in his contract with Toulon to be released for the Lions Tour. Um, you've got a, the head of Premiership Rugby, who should be, uh, by every measure, a supporter of the Lions Tour. He's saying no. 
you've got the Toulon owner, Murad Boujelal, arguably the most megalomaniac man in the history of rugby union, actually releasing one of his biggest stars. This doesn't make sense. What is the story behind this for you? Why would the French club be releasing him when the Premiership chairman is sending a very different message? Yeah, I, I can't fathom it, but the... The story that it parallels a little bit for me was New Zealand in the sevens at the Olympics. Lip service, but don't pay out on it. And we didn't see the best New Zealand side at the Olympics and everyone's ducking for cover and playing the blame game. If players aren't released to go on Leicesters, we're not going to see the best Lions teams. What's going on with the, the owner of Toulon and, and the fish heads in English rugby? Jeez, oh, your guess would be as good as mine, mate. Right, finally, Mitre 10 Cup in full swing in New Zealand, and uh, we've already seen some wonderful games played under the new laws, or certainly new law interpretations at the breakdown, trying to keep players' bodies up. We've seen mixed reports uh, about how people have enjoyed this, how it's being developed, how teams are coming to terms with it. From the games I have seen, you've got a much faster game, you've got an easier game to referee at the breakdown, uh, which all leads me to think that there will be massive... uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pushback from other nations who maybe don't boast as skillful a player, who like to see a slower game, who like to bring traditional qualities to the match. Yeah, the thing that surprised me about it was when I saw the interpretations, I thought less people at the ruck, so more people out wide defending, less gaps. That hasn't happened. Uh, We're seeing really high scoring, uh, quick turnover ball, which really does suit the New Zealand style. Um, So either the other nations are going to say, that looks awesome, let's play that, or we can't play that, we won't endorse it. I tend to think they'll favour option B. Finally, mates, uh, for you right now, uh, if you think about heading into the Mitre 10 Cup, if you think about uh, the Curry Cup happening concurrently, if you think about uh, the Rugby Championship, we're about to see Argentina descend on New Zealand, of course, so they could take on Australia, and the beginning opening weekends of the two Premier Club competitions in the North, what still is the one competition that has you most excited in world rugby right now? The Ramfurly Shield, <laughs> which is on on Sunday, everybody. And Manawatu have not held the Shield for 40 years. And I was there when Bill Adlam played 12 minutes injury time when there was should have only been two, Bill Adlam. That, that was against Northland. Correct. Nothing was wrong with that game at all. <laughs> so much wrong with that game. Tuesday day, the day after the match, invited everyone to listen to the full replay of the second half, and I sat there with my stopwatch that I got for Christmas and timed it 52 minutes. And that wasn't... I included stoppages as well. But, yeah, no, that's that's not wrong. But the log of wood, ladies and gentlemen, the Ramfurly Shield, the oldest prize in New Zealand rugby, Manawatu, who, it is my brethren, um, get to take on Waikato. Um, the All Blacks gave Waikato back Damien McKenzie, who's a reasonable player. Manawatu didn't get back Aaron Cruden. It's payback time, world. <laughs> Manawatu haven't won the Shield since Northland stiffed them and Northland lost it very quickly after and the gods of rugby karma have not been kind to Northland after that 52-minute half, I can assure you of that, Steffi. Mark Stafford joining us on the Rugby Pass podcast this week as we look forward to the kickoff in the Premiership in the top 14, the European season about to get underway and you can see all of that live on rugbypass.com. Get your subscription today. Why wouldn't you?
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 